Chase, white circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Tate! Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Is this the game that gets Alex to bring it back on track? Here's Kane, top left circle, shoots and scores! In front of the net, I believe to bring it, tapped it, and the Hawks have finally solved Pecorino in this hockey game. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. The power play goal, he's standing in front of the net, put the breakaway in overtime. That's one where you're going, wow. Picked off by Keith to the break and a breakaway in overtime for the win on the Predator line. Shoot the scores! The cap! It's an overtime game winning goal! That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to March. Welcome to a new Blackhawks Crazy podcast presented by FanList as I. Chris Bowden, your pre and post game host on WGN, and him, Joe Brand, your what can we call you, Joe? What, what kind of Blackhawks reporter? Stealth, um, workmanlike, um, damn good. I think that that's what we should we should go with. I, I was just that one? I, I would have been totally okay. fine with par. I mean, no, it, no. Usually, you just bring out no, adjectives. It depends if we go golf references. Below par would not be a good way to call you as a reporter. But I guess, it, in any event, let's get this thing going here because I can't think at eleven ten at night as we record her after a Blackhawks six two victory over the Anaheim Ducks in the first of eleven games. 15 total in the month of March, but 11 games here at the United Center. The Blackhawks winning their third straight as they can only remain six points out of the wild card. But we are presented by FanList. So without further ado, let's tell you about FanList. Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. Fanless partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and list tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackhawksCrazy. And thank you once again to FanList for being our presenting sponsor. We are also joined by Curtis Koch, our producer, who is kind of standing with his arms crossed, tapping his foot, overseeing and uh, correcting all our mistakes here. Which which meant that we probably should have started over again from the top since I couldn't find an adjective for you, Joe. Well, you also but promised him that he could read the fan list read. There's no third microphone here. Our Hall of Famer Paul Zarang did not come through with a third microphone. That's what here. you're going to blame it on. Okay. I think uh, I think he's going to fall out of the Hall of Fame. His plaque is coming down. He's also in charge me. of the editing, so he could just record it at home and put it in there if he wanted to. That's right. We could do that, uh, and uh, he can pull the rug out from under us at any moment here because uh, I don't know how to plug this stuff in or work. This dials and whatnot. But uh, without further ado, uh, first of all, uh, our, our stealth reporter, 
uh, wasn't even here for the start of the game. Joe, Joe working UIC basketball conference conference tournament action as the the mighty flames came up a big winner tonight over Ui Pui. Ui Pui took and, down IUPUI in uh, favorable which is fashion. Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. You got it. Right. Wow. What's yeah. the nickname though? The Jaguars. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. Congratulations to the Flames who move on to a big matchup with Youngstown State. What Thursday at Loyola? Yep, at the Gentile Arena, seven o'clock. All right. The quarterfinals of the Horizon League tournament. This is your Flames Crazy Podcast, everybody. <laughs> but let's get back on track here because uh, heck, we've got three straight wins to talk about. A six-two victory over the Anaheim Ducks, and it was good to see the Blackhawks continue rolling here, picking up where they left off at the. Uh, end of that road trip. Uh, nice wins in Tampa Bay and Florida. And, you know, I, I brought up in the pregame that usually when teams come back from extended road trips, you know, it's, uh, it's a soft performance at home for whatever reason. That really hasn't been the case of the Blackhawks this year. Each time they've had a minimum three-game road trip, they started out 4-0 this season in their first game back here at the United Center. And then they lost to the Rangers following that uh, West, uh, the Canadian trip last month. They lost here to the Rangers, but now they improved to 5-1 and one coming off quote-unquote extended road trips, and it's good to see the momentum going. And what was also good to see, uh, man, the, the the line that Jeremy Carlton put together at those in those final two games of the road trip with Jonathan Taves, Dominic Kubalik, and Brandon Saad, uh, was were re- was a really really good line for those those two games in particular, and you're almost expecting that to carry over zero zero tonight but it's the other lines that really pick up and uh probably the most impressive one was from the number one star of the game dylan strome alex nylander and patrick kane on the wings for dylan strome and uh that line ended up accounting for uh they were on the ice for four goals so um it was nice to spread the wealth here a little bit tonight blackhawks just abolishing all the stigmas that they've had they can't win at home they can't win in the black and white uniforms and, and look at them today but um I think what you saw today was depth, and you saw a lot of it. I mean, we went into the dressing room after the game, and we're talking to who? Alex Nylander, uh, Adam Boquist. I mean, so it's good to see that happening, especially with these young guys. Um, you bring up that first top line. I, I, I don't think you can focus on it too much because of what the team did as a whole. And, you know, one thing that Jeremy Colleton's very right about is he likes the way that this team has played recently, and and after Christmas, it wasn't as consistent as they would have liked it to be, but when it was at its peak, that's the Blackhawks that could be a playoff team. Who knows how far they would go, but that's the team that could be a playoff team. They had so much difficulty finding that consistency at the beginning of the year, and now you're seeing a lot more spurts of it. I think these guys are playing with a lot less pressure because the trade deadline is coming on. Yes, they are still mathematically alive for a playoff spot. Is it ideal? Really not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the back of their head, they understand that. But, hey, if it's going to make these guys play freer and, and play a little looser and incorporate just about everybody, and guys like Dylan Strom are going to come away with a two-goal game, that's that's a positive thing. And as we uh, end action on Tuesday night here, I mentioned earlier there's still six points out of the wild card spots, which now belong to Vancouver and Winnipeg. After the Jets won uh, their game on Tuesday night, Nashville loses a third in a row, this time to the Minnesota Wild. So it's Vancouver and Winnipeg at 74 points. Then you have Minnesota, which is 1-6 of 8, 
after a coaching change in the middle of a stretch where they were playing pretty well, Minnesota one point behind Vancouver and Winnipeg. They're at 73 points. Then comes Nashville and Arizona at 72 and the Blackhawks at 68. You're, you're going to keep looking back at that that West, that Canadian trip when they went one and four as uh, the one that's uh, going to end up uh, killing these Blackhawks. But I, I do believe there is another strong run in this team if it hasn't begun already. And the test will certainly be stiff in their next game on Thursday night against those high-flying Edmonton Oilers who um, uh, remain within striking distance of the top of the Pacific Division along with the Vegas Golden Knights as they have beaten two straight Central Division teams and blowing out Nashville on Tuesday and then winning in overtime at Dallas. Uh, I'm sorry, Nashville on Monday winning in overtime at Dallas. Uh, on Tuesday while the Hawks were taking care of business against the Anaheim Ducks. And you mentioned some of the other guys you were talking to in the locker room. Before we hear from Dylan Strome from our WGN postgame show on Tuesday evening, Adam Boquist, second straight game that he has that little slap pass, um, you know, making it look like he's he's going to fire it on net and then targeting a guy right outside the blue paint. Jonathan Taves on Saturday night in Florida and then here on Tuesday night, did it with Drake Kajula, who scores in a second consecutive game. And it's been a season, obviously, of fits and starts for a 19-year-old defenseman in this league. Kind of rushed up, perhaps a little bit earlier than expected. And he flashes well. And then there's a little setback. There's some healthy scratches. Go up to the press box and watch a little bit, kid, after you make a couple of mistakes in, in games uh, on that Canadian road trip. And uh, now for two consecutive games, you see some of the way he sees the game and the way he can execute offensively. And uh, the opponent's going to sniff it out, but for the here and now, it's good to see him have that vision and and make those plays. And again, it kind of ramps up the excitement as to the potential of this kid. And it's good to just see him incorporating that with other players and other lines. I I know I've mentioned this a lot this year, but Adam Boquist is a guy that's a beneficiary of the surplus of injuries that the Hawks have had this year. So this guy is going to get a lot of playing time because of this. And I still feel like that, that does wonders for the guy of or the, um, the status of a young defenseman like him. So he is going to try out some things like that. And, and it really worked today. And I, I get it. They played the Anaheim ducks today, but it's again, it's, it's the depth that was showcased today. It wasn't the stars just contributing. It was, it was a lot of different pieces and something that Adam Boquist brought up after the game was, um, I, I asked about the camaraderie after this trade deadline. And he's like, you know, we only lost two players, but there is just that kind of resurgence of the younger guys coming up and everybody learning with each other a little bit. And uh, it is two players, but once you go through that, it's, okay, here's our team. Here's here's who we ride until the end of the season with, and, and here's who we got. So you get that little bit of companionship a little bit more, and I think it's very beneficial for a young guy like Adam Boquist to, to be a part of that and gain some extra confidence from still being there. And looking at computer, I'm just startled now uh, that uh, Curtis takes a picture of us talking here to tweet out uh, about uh, the recording that he is witnessing here. Not my good side there, Curtis. <laughs> Not but, mine uh, either. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hey, it's a part of getting the message out there. In any event, uh, Dylan Strom, we mentioned uh, him now centering a line once again back in his comfort zone. That's some of the things uh, we discussed when he joined Troy Murray and myself on the postgame show following the 6-2 victory over Anaheim. And I teed Dylan up first about uh, the night that he had 
scoring his first goal in 15 games. He hadn't scored since January 5th. That predated his ankle injury and his recovery during the bye week and the All-Star break. Um, It's been a rough go of him. He had just uh, three points, all assists over the course of the previous 14 games. He gets on the board twice, adds an assist, and is a plus four. Here's Dylan Strome on the postgame show after uh, his best night of the season. Yeah, I felt good. Um, Obviously, we were... You know, had a tough stretch there for a while, but um, we got back on the winning ways, and um, you know, nice to obviously contribute. I feel like I've I've had a bunch of chances, just you know, sometimes they just don't go in. And um, tonight, uh, I had a few in the first, and then uh, the, I went out the goalie's knob, and you know, felt good. So finally got one in there, and um, Kaner made a great play in the second one. If you look at when line combinations are put together, and you guys were put together a couple games ago, basically, and and you've got Nylander and Patrick Kane on the wings there, what was the conversation between you three as far as what you guys wanted to do uh, as a line, as far as your mindset? Actually, we uh, we played together a little bit earlier in the year, us three, and uh, we had some good games. So I think uh, you know Kaner was really confident. It's it's obviously nice when you get on a, a line with a guy like him, and um, you know he, he he really wants to be on your line. It feels like he uh, you know is excited to to be out there with us, and you know he loves the way we both play together, all three of us. I think so. Um, you know I think he got a hat trick against Minnesota, and then he got. Um, four points in Winnipeg the next game. So I think, you know, he, he, he liked playing with us and he was confident in us. And, um, no, obviously, so when we got poked back together, he was, he was pretty happy. And it, it, it's good to have that, uh, that confidence in your line mates. And, uh, you know, I think he has it in us. And, yeah, I think it showed tonight. Yeah. And, uh, also, you, you, opportunity to go back to center, your, your natural position. And, um, you had a stretch there at wing, um, uh, the good soldier. It was obviously a learning process, really, for the first extended time in that. But, uh, I'm sure there has to be a nice little comfort level getting back in the middle yeah i just you know when i guess when you do something for your whole life you're, you're just uh you know you're more comfortable there um never been never really been a winger um but sometimes you got to change for the, for the team for the better um you know obviously coming back off injury we were playing pretty well and um you know kind of just fit better on the wing and then switched up the lines a bit and you know found myself taking a lot of draws with docker but uh you know still playing on the wing i just feel like i'm more confident at center can make some more plays um help my line mates out and um you know feel pretty good defensively i've been talking to coach a lot about you know getting better defensively and um you know doing the little things and uh you know i feel like we're, we're doing a pretty good job as a line and and myself uh, jonathan taves uh, yesterday i think it was was talking about the teams getting back to a, a better rotation as far as the way that you guys were playing before the the break and all of a sudden now things are starting to to snowball in the in the right direction how important is it for everybody to contribute uh, in the manner that they are whether you're a scoring line a checking line whether you're supposed to do one thing or have a different assignment how important is that depth moving forward here as you guys push towards the playoff position I think it's huge. Um, you know, I, you look at the the best teams in the league, and they got you know four lines that that you know play quite a bit. I think the fourth line usually plays around maybe you know anywhere from ten to fifteen minutes, but I think they they give good minutes. And um, you know, I think we have four really good lines that that contribute. I think we're the way they are right now. I feel like we're pretty confident in every line going out there. You know, you see. Um, you no, know, for like for example, myself or, or Kirby going out there taking the D zone draw when, um, you know that's that that's what Taser's obviously really good at is, is taking those draws and, and being good defensively. And I think coach is showing a lot of confidence in in both uh, myself and, and Kirby to to go take those draws. And um, you no, know, it's obviously nice when when a coach has that confidence in you. So you got to earn that back. You got to you got to earn that confidence as well. So um, you no, know, I feel like when all four lines are rolling, it's fun to play for, fun to play with. Um, no, obviously Heiser with a great play tonight, and uh, we're feeling good. What's been the key to that turnaround at the die? You were struggling a little bit out there early in the season. Over the course of the last uh, four, five, six games, maybe it's been. Uh, you've been regularly above fifty percent. Six for uh, six out of twelve here tonight. 
how does that how does that turn around? I think just uh, you know I, I said it yesterday in the, in the media a little bit. We were like just just talking, and um, my minutes obviously haven't been the, the same since before I got hurt. But you know when you and playing wing too, yeah, yeah and playing yeah, wing, and yeah. when you're out, out there, uh, you know maybe four or five minutes less each game. It's it's more important that you win the face off and get out there and um, really really you know try to figure something out with your line mates to, to get the puck back. You know, if you're if you're out there a couple less minutes a game and you're starting and they're starting with the puck every time, it's it's not as uh, it's not as easy. So I'm mm-hmm. um, really just trying to, you know, dig in and working on practice and using taser and getting better and obviously he's one of the best in the league so it's it's uh, a good guy to go against in practice the goaltending has been solid all season long and uh, the way that Corey is playing right now it's obviously got to give you guys a lot of confidence in the, the way that he is playing if you guys do make a mistake he's been there the last little while how important is it for you guys as, as a group to have that confidence in your goaltending that's been there all season long for sure um you know, even especially in Florida, those two those two games there, uh, Tampa and Florida. You know, he made absolutely massive saves, and uh, tonight was no different. He made a, a bunch of huge saves when uh, when they kind of tilted the ice a little bit towards us, and um, you know, Leonard was great obviously when he was here, and 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 Crow's been great all year. They they both. Uh, you know, we haven't played as, as well in front of Crow as we did it for Leonard, and I think that's why the record's a little bit worse. But, you know, he, he's been playing the same the whole year. He's been solid and uh, makes those huge saves that, that we need, and um, it gives us the confidence that, you know, if they get a chance, you know, he, he's going to dial it in and stop it, and he expects us to score, and um, we've been helping him out there. Well, as uh, we cut you loose here, I was going to ask you about the opponent in two nights, which wins again tonight, Edmonton, after putting up an eighth spot. They go into Dallas and win an overtime tonight, 2-1. to one. We'll we'll save that we'll save that for tomorrow <laughs> and Thursday, but I got I got to look ahead all the way to, to April fourth. I know what game that is. New York Rangers. You're still an Ofer against <laughs> Ryan, and to add insult to injury, your mom goes into the opposing locker room and gives out the starting lineup here a couple of weeks ago. Are, are you back on speaking terms yet, or no? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I mean. I felt like I played pretty good that game and just didn't get rewarded. Well, you won the opening draw. Yeah, all I mean, and, and uh, you know, obviously, my mom. I think uh, I think my brother is a, a loudmouth in their dressing room, and uh, I think Coach Quinn uh, decided to maybe rub it in my brother's face a little bit and um, get my mom in there. So she did two games in a row, and they won both. So I think um, no, Ryan's an age a few years off his life, and it definitely aged a few years <laughs> off my life. It's just tough to watch sometimes, but. Uh, you know, you know, she had fun, and I think you know she'll remember that forever. So. Well, I mean, he's got to be getting the business too. But she went right up there and kissed him as soon as he she got in the locker yeah. room too. I'm sure he put some money on the board after that. That's <laughs> guaranteed for sure. Are you gonna Are you gonna let her do that for no. one of these times? No, no that's no. that's out. No. It's dad's trip next year anyway, right? So that's good. <laughs> you heard uh, Troy and Dylan and myself talking about his recent success at the faceoff circle. Uh, kind of dovetailing into moving back to center, having to adjust to wing for a while there. But uh, he wasn't very good at the dot um, late last season or early on this season, really struggling well below 50% this season in the 43 44% range. But over the course of the last six games, 62% had a monster game against the Rangers and partly his brother winning 10 of 12. And uh, on uh, the night here, uh, actually, we, we didn't include uh, we didn't include heading into tonight, in which he was uh, seven for seven, six for uh, six, six of twelve, or seven for fourteen, one or the other. But again, sixty two percent coming into the night, and that's important if he's going to continue to play center. Uh, there's also a thing in the back of his mind about his contract, which he says he's setting aside, but that certainly kind of plays into the psyche. Really good to see him going, and uh, once again, you were wondering if that line, Patrick Kane, getting shut out. 
for consecutive games for just the third time this season um, heading into this one. But uh, they were on fire tonight, and uh, another guy was too. And, you know, we're still waiting to see Alex Nylander. I think a lot of us are leaning a certain way with what his body of work has been so far this season with all the opportunities he's been getting. And um, he finally showed a little bit something, a nice little hold on the goal that he had as he uh, approached John Gibson late in that second period, and then 15 seconds later setting up Kane for his 29th of the year, too. Now, I think he showed a little more than, than just a little something. I mean, yeah, he had left with a plus three today. He had a beautiful move on his goal. Um, I think that line was just contagious today with, with Strom clicking. and I mean, heck, Strom, Kane, and Elander. that line had four of the six goals today. Um but the whole Dylan Strom situation, it, it, this is easy to say in hindsight, but a lot of times when you move guys around positioning in really any sport, you go back to the original position that they were, and sometimes having more responsibilities can help clear their mind. I mean, Dylan Strom had so, has so much going on this year with, like you mentioned, a contract coming up. Uh, he dealt with some injury. He has struggled, and like you said, working out in another position might create more pressure, create more problems, create more questions in his head. So when you, you go back to that and you have the responsibility of, all right, face-offs and, and managing the line and creating the flow of the offense on the ice at that moment, sometimes it's easier to just score that way. I don't know if that's the case, but sometimes that, that is what happens. And it's almost like simple is better. And in that case, it's Dylan Strom going back to the spot he's used to. He was almost, almost a point-per-game score when he came here after the trade with Arizona last season. Coming into Tuesday night, he had just 33 points in 52 games. Obviously, a lot of that having to do with the previous 14. No goals and three assists there uh, during that stretch. But this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Yes, you look great against the Anaheim Ducks. You got the Edmonton Oilers coming in on Thursday night, and let's see how you can hold up as far as that's concerned. But uh, once again, haven't heard from Alex Nylander in a while, and after a goal and an assist on Tuesday night, uh, here is uh, the rookie, former Buffalo Sabre, after the 6-2 win. To get those uh, goals and uh, playing with the line today, uh, I got some good chemistry, so we just need to build off that, and uh, obviously we can get better. Uh, we will work on that throughout the, the week. What did you see on that two-on-one? It seemed like everyone just kind of ignored you when they had the puck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just saw he was kind of fading a little bit towards Taser. He was a little bit open, but then just saw it open lane to the net and uh, like a mini breakaway, so I took it and uh, scored. You like that move, don't you? When you're coming in slow on the goaltender. Yeah, of course. Just fake, fake the shot a little bit and go back. And he was, he was kind of coming out a little bit for waiting for the shot, obviously because it was a two on one. But uh, it was nice to, to get that one. What do you think you have to do just a little more consistently to, to keep this going and you know to, to stretch it out and you know have more games like this? Yeah, of course, you need to keep building off uh, through our practice, having good practices to uh, correlate to the game, So, which I think I've been doing. Um, I think I've been playing well lately. And I uh, just need to keep keep building off that. And obviously playing with Kaner and Stromer, we just got to keep working hard every day, every shift. Uh, and we can build good chemistry. Uh, we saw, thought we got better throughout the game, and it was a lot of fun. Obviously a big night for the whole line with Strom also scoring twice. What's, what's clicking with you guys? I mean, we have played a little bit together throughout the season, and I thought we've been playing well together through those games. So, kind of, all, everybody wants to puck. We all want to play the puck too. So, I think we we work really well together. And uh, obviously, playing with Kaner and Strom has been really good. So, just need to keep uh, keep going in the net when Kaner has it, and he he finds finds me and Stromer in the open plays there. 
What do you see in Corey right now with the stretch of games now that he's played? It looks like he's really hitting his best stride of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing really good all these games. Uh, he's been really helping us out, and it's really confident for, for us players when we have him in the back of the net. So he's been been doing really well, and uh, we just need to keep playing now uh, three in a row. So we got a big, big month ahead of us that, that we need to keep going here. What do you think's been the key to the streak so far? Well, I think we're, we're playing uh, playing more simple in the D zone. We're helping each other out, talking more, uh, getting more clean plays out of the D zone leads to to better offense. Um, we're getting the pucks to the net. More guys are coming to the net, and we're playing all solid games. So we've been we've been getting better and better throughout each game. Alex Nylander now with nine goals and twenty three points on the season uh, hasn't been taking a seat very often. Uh, he has been given plenty of opportunities and. As we were just talking about, what have you done for me lately, League? And let's see if Strom and Nylander, not to mention uh, Patrick Kane, can keep things going against what's going to be a, a real interesting matchup, how to match up against the Edmonton Oilers, who are on a serious run here. And uh, again, this week so far, blasting through the rest of the Central Division. Nylander, uh, by the way, that was his 61st game. Again, nine goals and 23 points. And that's part of the narrative that we've discussed in previous podcasts. What are, if, if the Hawks do fall short of the playoffs, all right, then let's see what some of these young kids can do down the stretch. Because Jeremy Colleton, we played a bite in our pregame show, him raving about the leadership and the follow-us kind of mentality of Taves and Kane and Keith and Crawford here during this recent stretch where a lot of guys, even veteran guys, would say, all right, forget it, let's start polishing the golf clubs. But they've kept their nose to the grindstone. The Blackhawks continue playing hard and... They seem to be determined to, at the very least, make it interesting here down the stretch. If they can't get over the hump, at least make it interesting here. And now, um, uh, I guess the other big thing, besides from young players, can you start winning at home consistently? Because they haven't been able to do that for the last two or three years either. And yesterday at practice, Jeremy Colleton was talking about that with Dominic Kubelik, how he's a guy who who wants to have the puck and he wants to be that guy to to show the offense. I mean, this is a rookie, and, he, and he's doing that. So I think that speaks a lot to Dominic Kubelik's character, and and I think you don't get that unless you have the type of leadership that the Blackhawks have, like with all those names that you mentioned. And that was that was something that Corey Crawford talked about, too. With It was interesting. I think he called them high-pressure games. It can be very beneficial for the young guys, and they can. I, I don't know if you call these games high-pressure games, but maybe for... Uh, uh, maybe for some situations this year, but it, it's tough to call it that. I, I do like the approach that the players are you know, still saying, we understand where we are in the standings. It's still mathematically alive, so we still think it's alive. Um, I mean, because whether the cynical crowd out there wants to believe it or not, but but right, well, yeah, but but even yeah. if you do, like, what do you expect these guys to say? Right, like, right. And, and if you're Jeremy Colleton, you got to have that same approach too, and that's what he has. Well, before we hear from Jeremy after the game, uh, a quick question for you. I pose this to Troy as well. Patrick Kane now ties Dominic Kubalik once again for the team lead with his 29th goal. I asked this to Troy the other night. For the second time in three years, are we going to have a rookie Blackhawk? Telling Patrick Kane here, hold my beer while I win the team goal scoring race. Was it to bring it two years yeah. ago? Is that what it was? Wow, no, uh, that, that's interesting. Because honestly, if if you didn't say that, I, I wouldn't have remembered that to bring it past him. And I, I still would have to put my money on Patrick Kane. I, 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 you just got, how can you bet against Patrick Kane? But that's pretty interesting. Wow. <laughs> 
Kubalik now with a two-game goal drought after his hat-trick in, in Tampa Bay. In any event, let's hear from Jeremy Calton. And you will also hear Jeremy here being asked what happened early in the third period when Corey Crawford, I believe, took a knee to the face mask while playing a puck. And, um, th- and by the way, thanks for filling me in on that, guys, as I went to the grub line as that occurred, and I'm like, wait, Malcolm Subban's in the game? Did it all <laughs> happened very fast. And the thing was, Subban came off so quickly when Gene Honda says, now in goal, number 50, Corey Crawford. I'm, like, I'm like, come on, Gene, you got it wrong. It's Subban. How did you just miss this? And I was wrong. It, it happened so quickly. So yeah. we, we all uh, need a mulligan there. So it, it was a quick return, an awfully quick return for Corey Crawford if it comes to concussion protocol based on his history. But uh, he clarifies why that happened so quickly here, among other things, as he discusses his team's 6-2 victory over the Anaheim Ducks. Important win for us, uh, you know, first game after that, that road trip, and uh, typically that's a tougher one. Uh, but I, I ha- was pretty happy with our start, the first 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I thought we were aggressive and uh, did a lot of good things. Uh, you know, second 10, uh, didn't love as much. I uh, thought we turned the puck over and, and give them some, some free chances, but uh, then I thought we won the game in the second period with uh, you know, we came out, our first couple of rotations were excellent, and we scored the goal, and then uh, you know, I, I just I thought that was that's where we won the game, obviously, so that's something we've been talking about, is trying to string multiple shifts together to, to build momentum, and we did that, and uh, big win. Cautionary thing with Crawford there, where he came to the bench yeah, so um, you know we got uh, the spotters. Um, originally, there was a little bit of miscommunication as far as it being mandatory or discretionary. He didn't. He felt fine. Uh, he didn't feel anything with his head, um, but uh, we thought it was mandatory, so he had to come out. But uh, Gapper checked him out, and he seems to be um, good. So that's uh, clearly no one wants to see him uh, coming off. Really scored six goals, but that, that two-man kill that he had in the second kind of changed momentum. Didn't it? Yeah, it was big because uh, you know they scored the goal to make it two-one. You know when I thought we were really coming, and, and they got a little bit of life, and then we have to end up killing a couple penalties. So uh, that was big for us. And then I thought we, you know, we, we got back to it, playing playing the way we want to play the rest of the period. But uh, you know, if it's a tie game or whatever, then then uh, you know obviously things would be different. So um, a lot of a lot of good things there. I know you guys have been engaging a lot of what Bobus does by what he's doing in the defensive zone, but just to see him be a little bit more offensive and, and get involved in the offensive zone, it, it, it seems like he's getting more comfortable doing that. Yeah, and that's part of the package he brings for us. Um, you know, he won't have to defend so much if he can be cleaner with the puck, and I thought him and Dunk tonight were really um, on the same page as far as being an option and clean and flat and hard, and uh, whether that was on the breakout or on the offensive blue line. So um, that was nice to see, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to get better and better. I'm sure there'll be some steps back too, but uh, he was good tonight. What did you think of that 15-second stretch by Nylander? That was pretty good. Uh, you know, it's uh, – Canner's like, why are you taking us off? I'm like, well, two goals in one shift. What are you going to do? <laughs> so, uh, no, he uh, made some plays tonight, and – you know that that line. There's a lot of skill on that line, and if they work away from the puck and get above the puck defensively, then they're going to be in the offensive zone, and then they can do some uh, special things. You've seen Nylander pull that move off in practice numerous times, and in games occasionally. What does he need to do to just be more consistent and be able to be that player? He's trying. You know, it's uh, it's so going to continue to be a work in progress. And uh, again, I, I go back to just the work away from the puck and. Um, sometimes it's just 
making you know making a hard clean play uh you know with uh sort of an assertive mentality I think sometimes he he wants to do the right thing but he also wants to make a play and he kind of get caught in between and um you know i thought tonight he made a lot of assertive plays and that's what he needs to do what about Strom? Uh, big night for him too after struggling lately. Yeah, and I think he's been getting better and better uh, over the last few weeks. Um, more and more active away from the puck. I think uh, you know, playing center, he's been really good. I think in D zone, uh, he's done a good job. It's obviously been a point of emphasis for him to to be really good down there, so he can get out of there and, and play in the offensive zone. And uh, I like his game the last few few times. Before your trip to Florida, a lot of people might have said this team can't do anything anymore. Three in a row now. What's the what's the core that makes this happen? How do you keep it going? Oh, they're not going to quit. They're never going to give up. Uh, it's there's been multiple times through the year where um, you know people could have said and probably did say that this group is is dead and buried. But um, we have lots of games left, lots of home games left, and we've shown that uh, we're resilient. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's just fine in that consistency in our game. We have a lot of young players, and, and uh, that is going to be a challenge. But uh, I think we're improving all the time. There's Jeremy Calton after his team's win over the Anaheim Ducks three in a row now, uh, 30th victory of the year. We're going to give uh, Ernie Scatton a, a night off for introducing our slap shots segment, basically because you guys are giving Ernie a night off. We, we're tweeting it out there, but... Uh, you're not, you're not getting back to us, with the exception of, of our, our pal Margot here. Uh, her question was what we thought of Malcolm Subban's performance. Um, Which no, you, no already asked, on, you already asked Troy, no so we already have. That was our lead question in the postgame show. You know, we don't want to bury the lead, so we went right to Malcolm Subban's minute 10 performance without facing a shot, although he did have some activity around him. But speaking of goaltenders, let's get back to Corey. Um, last 16 games, 38 goals against. He came in, uh, I, I have not updated uh, the, the numbers here, but he came in in his previous 15 with 36 goals against a 928 save percentage. In the last 16, he has allowed two or fewer 11 times, um, and the rest uh, three with the exception of the crazy sloppy 6-5 <laughs> loss in St. Louis last, last Tuesday. So Corey Crawford... Uh, looks like the best type of Corey Crawford right now. And this comes in the wake of Robin Leonard being traded. But even prior to Robin Leonard being traded, he was playing better than Robin. And Robin's come out and said a a couple of things. And there's been some back and forth with some of the media here in Chicago about, you know, uh, reports that are out there, him, you know, either validating or denying or shooting down uh, stuff that's out there from a media perspective, uh, where contract negotiations were going, but the, and you have the quotes here too, uh, Joe. After he left here, you know, he was very gracious, saying, you know, thanks to Chicago, great team, wish them luck, great fans, yada yada. But then when he got to Vegas, he started talking about his time here in Chicago, and I think he's revising history a little bit here. Let's not be mistaken, Robin was great um, and took the net from Corey for a stretch for much of December going past the first of the year into January until January 3rd 
in that, I think it was a 7-5 loss in Vancouver, wild game there where he tweaked his knee, finished the game, but then he had to set out a couple of games for that knee to recover. I think it was only two, maybe three, before he was backup eligible again. But in the meantime, Corey established some momentum, and then the times that Robin got back in the net, he was not as effective. You combine that with contract negotiations that we cannot be sure how deep they went, how serious they got, to what degree uh, they were at. But it all led to him being traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. He will remain an unrestricted free agent and and, uh, head into the offseason on the market. But you have the quotes that he said a couple of days after he got situated in Vegas to one of the reporters out there. And I'm sorry, I... As much as I respect Robin and and for his as blunt and honest as he was in terms of his play and the team's play while he was here, this quote of mine it got me scratching my head a little bit, and I, I can't I can't agree that he's necessarily stating I'm not I won't say fact, but the way things really were here. So he said this to Justin Emerson of the Las Vegas Sun. I went to Chicago to help them out and got promises of getting a fair chance to play. I came there with a good mindset, fit into the team. I didn't play much in the beginning or middle, beginning of the season. Even if I played well, had a good camp. Eventually, I took over and I won. I think I won 9 out of 10, 12 out of 15, and we walked up one point out of a playoff spot. Then all of a sudden, I found myself on the bench for no reason. That was tough. Plus, negotiations totally died out. What do you have right now? Is that the regular season of, of where they were standing yeah, in the and, playoff? Yeah. Remember that, that Corey got the net for the first six games. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once Robin got in, you know, he, he was he was definitely solid. And I think most Blackhawk fans would agree, at the very least, a, a hair better than Corey overall in his overall play. Then comes January 3rd. And again, Robin had that stretch where one, two... Uh, three, four, five, six, six starts out of seven. And he came in relief in that seventh one when, when Corey got, uh, roughed up in a game and, uh, he had those, uh, six starts in seven games. And in the first five starts, one goal against the win, three goals against the win, two goals against the win. Two goals against the win. Three goals against the win. So the Hawks were putting something together. He was the guy in, in the blue paint. And then January 3rd, I'm sorry, 2nd at Vancouver, is that six goals against game. And he ended up injuring his knee very late. Stayed in. So Corey comes in and makes three straight starts. Allows two, two, and three goals in those three starts. And... Robin came back in and, and had a couple of solid starts as well. Two goals against both victories. Corey gets a couple of consecutive starts as well. Allows three goals total in those two games. Robin goes back in the net. And then over the course of his next few, uh, not so much immediately. But then uh, let's begin a sequence here. Four goals against on 26 shots. Two on 40. Four on 30 shots. Four on 42 shots. And in his last game with the Blackhawks, six goals against on 41 shots. He was not as sharp as Corey was. Uh once he lost that net, maybe not immediately, but as Corey continued playing well and perhaps a little bit more consistently at a higher level, these things ebb, ebb and flow, you know, whether it's how a team performs over the course of the season or individuals like goalies. And, and Corey then kind of nudged ahead in terms of his immediate performance. 
and I think I think Robin's just. I, 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 I just I just can't quite agree with here's, his assessment of that. Yeah, well, yeah. here's the issue I have, and I have been a huge Robin Leonard advocate all season long, and I, I still think there's a world where possibly he's a Blackhawk this year. After all this came out, I think that's really, really dwindled down. But here's my issue is the part of the quote where he says, then all of a sudden I found myself on the bench for no reason. The other goaltender on the team, yeah. The, the other goaltender in the team is Corey Crawford, and they got along fine. There wasn't any friction or anything right. between them. I mean, there's, that's not no reason. And they both want the net, <laughs> exactly. And and the thing is, like you said, yeah, Robin was playing a smidge better. But if it was if it was some backup situation or a situation where they keep bringing the guy up from the AHL, I would get it. But but that's not the situation. I mean, coming into this year, you knew Corey Crawford was your goalie. We're going to see what Robin Leonard can do, and Robin Leonard showed what he could do. But even when I talked to Corey yesterday at practice, the thing I brought up was, what did you learn about, or I asked, what did you learn about yourself succeeding so well in this tandem situation? Because it's unique to you. And he said, well, you know, last year we had Cam Ward. And it's like, yeah, you're always going to have another goalie. But Cam mm-hmm. Ward wasn't Robin Leonard last right. year. And like the only thing that was close to it was the Scott Darling situation in the playoff run. But that's the playoffs, a whole other animal. And he mentioned how difficult it is. And it's very difficult. He's a rhythm goalie. And I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm sure most goalies sure, are. Yeah. If, yeah, if not, if not all. But I think, I think Robin just really took it to heart when he did so well. And he would find himself on the bench. But, I mean, Chris, remember when the Joel Quinville came, or the Joel Quinville game came, and we thought for sure Corey would be a shoe-in because that's what Jeremy Colleton does. He lets players go against their old teams, but in this case it would have been... he's his... been great in his career against Florida, exactly. too. Exactly. And, and, and he started Robin Leonard. So, I mean, there, has, there were situations where Corey Crawford got the spot on the bench, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it either. I agree with you. I think... I just think... This was a little bit too reactive for him to say this, just because the the part where all of a sudden I found myself on the bench for no reason. There's a reason there, and it's a good reason. And in, in some of his quotes, uh, in in different exchanges that follows, he comes to admit that yeah, the whole contract thing was playing was playing on his mind. As some of us, as we were assuming on a couple of our podcasts, when that play started to, to slip a little bit. Corey was playing a little bit better. Perhaps Robin wasn't getting the net as much, and then all the extra laundry and you know baggage with his future. And no matter where or to what length those contract negotiations came, it didn't look like anything was going to be happening before the deadline, or even if they had kept him after the deadline, and that led to the trade as well, along with the team's overall performance. And that's why this hinders, or at least that's why I feel this hinders the chance of Robin Leonard being a Blackhawk next year because of. Everything you said after being traded and going into the trade deadline, like you said, he he said it, it took an effect on his play. And then all this stuff comes out about possible contract negotiations that they never met on the, on the money. And that's what I don't get. The story came out that Robin Leonard offered to the team, I would take less money um, for a shorter term. And then Robin Leonard says on Twitter – Trying to find it exactly. Yeah, there was some back and forth between him and, his, there and was. Chicago media. I said I wanted to be – this was between him and John Dietz. I said I wanted to be paid fair after you asked me if I would take less because of my history. That was earlier in the year. That, yeah, early January. Easy, um, and, and when he goes, money was never discussed. He says money does ne- was never discussed. Life goes on. Enjoyed my time. So I find it very hard to believe that the Blackhawks and Robin Leonard talked about 
lengthwise of a contract and not the money, that, that doesn't make sense to me, especially if Robin Leonard was willing to take less. So either they didn't talk at all or they talked but didn't talk about money. I just don't get how that makes sense. And I'm not I'm not bashing Mark Lazarus' story. Uh, I, I very well believe he got that source and that that was credible information, but that's what doesn't add up. And this is Robin Leonard saying this. Mm-hmm. So when he does this, and then when he says something about how he disliked the team, that's going to be tough to sell yourself in the off season. I mean, yes, your play speaks the most but here. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yes, here, mm-hmm. but but I, I mean, other teams are going to see this. They yeah. are, and and. And, but they, and there are other teams that are going to need goalies, and Robin Leonard is going to fit quite nicely in there. And whether the Blackhawks would have met whatever price he ends up getting in the offseason, that remains to be seen. But as we close here, that leads me up to what Corey has done. And, you know, perhaps Ro- Robin was always percolating, and Corey is Mr. Steady Waters. Right. Calm Waters. That's got to be emotionally. said. Emotionally. And, and, He's, he just turned 35 on New Year's Eve, but there, there's always going to be the concern, and we saw it here tonight momentarily, but he's playing as good, I think, as he ever has right now at age 35, and I think Corey Crawford is going to be back as your number one goaltender next year. And and Corey, will, Corey, I'm sure, based on the long history between the two, they'll reach something that's amicable for both sides to get it done, and for him to be the number one and either Delia or Lankinen, one of those two guys being the backup. Well, and year. it definitely makes the most, the most sense now. I, and, and again, I don't know how many times on this podcast I talked about how I would love to see Robin Leonard back, and I, I still think he is a fantastic goaltender, yep. and like you said, he's going to land somewhere. He's going he's gonna to get paid, but I, I highly doubt it's going to wind up in, in a Blackhawks uniform. But you're right. The, the whole Corey Crawford situation is he was steady as a rock towards all this trade negotiation. And granted, it was Robin Leonard being in the middle of the majority of the trade negotiations rather than Corey Crawford. But, I mean, this is still a guy that, in some cases, lost not his job, but, but situations, lost games earlier in the year because of the... Um, the teams play in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, this is a guy that, that didn't care about that and, mm-hmm. and was still Corey Crawford throughout the season. And as we wrap up here, this final footnote on Robin Leonard in his second game for the Vegas Golden Knights, a 27-save shutout against the New Jersey Devils. Wow. Um, and it's a New Jersey team that had been playing well. So Robin's 2-0. and He's allowed a total of, I think Buffalo scored twice against him in that first game, uh, once or twice against him. Yep. And 32 of 30. So now there is some potential for... Something going on with him and Mark Andre Fleury here down the home stretch for Vegas. <laughs> How because old is Mark Andre Fleury? He's he's mid yeah he's mid upper thirties and uh, but he's the guy in Vegas. He's the face of that franchise. And sounds familiar. And um, he uh, he had a his his previous start wasn't wasn't as sharp and. It opens the door for Robin, maybe to get a couple consecutive starts here, and that's going to be something very interesting to watch, whether those personalities, and, and Marc-Andre Fleury is as, as easygoing a guy as possible, but when you are the guy and you're the one that they have leaned on for the first couple of years of existence, um, that that could end up being a rather interesting dynamic down the stretch for the Golden Knights. That's the other thing. I, I think Robin Leonard has so many good qualities to be a playoff goaltender. He's, yeah. he's, vo- he's a vocal leader. Mm-hmm. He's he's a guy that can get hot and stay hot. He's a guy that's just in the zone. And 
and I brought it up before, it it would have reminded me of the uh, Corey Crawford, Scott Darling situation of 2015. All right. With that, uh, we will say farewell for now. Curtis is itching to get out of here. He's tired of sitting, listening, and and posting Judging. pictures of us in our prison cell uh, room here. But uh, in any event, we want to thank you all for listening once again. And uh, uh, if not subscribing to the podcast, which we encourage you to do on iTunes and Apple Podcast, if by chance you choose not to. Uh, if, if you do, it'll be ready for you every time we have a new podcast uh, ready and posted. If not... Joe and I will be uh, tweeting out the link to uh, the podcast on WGN. You can find it on WGNRadio.com, as well as our Twitter accounts. Joe's at Joe underscore brand one, the number one. I'm at at Bowden Tweets, so uh, you can look for that multiple times per day uh, when we have a fresh one out and then some. Our next uh, Black House Crazy podcast presented by FanList, and thank you, FanList, uh, will be coming your way Monday morning. We're going to go three more games, and after the Blackhawks take on St. Louis, we'll see where they are and what their record is after taking on Edmonton. Going to Detroit, which we expect to be Malcolm Subban's, well, it's not a debut anymore, his first Blackhawks <laughs> start. And then they come home here to take on the St. Louis Blues, and all the Blues did was win their eighth in a row on Tuesday night as uh, they continue setting the pace in the Central as defending Stanley Cup champs. So again, we will talk to you on Monday with our next Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Thanks to Ernie. Thanks to Dan Long back at the station for uh, allowing us uh, to do this the fancy way through the Hall of Famers equipment here in the United Center bunker. And thanks, as always, to Curtis Koch for producing for us, if not tweeting out pictures of us on our bad sides here as we record this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Have a great rest of the week and weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday. How about that? The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!